Zeus Sports Podcast, presented by the Columbia Daily Tribune. Hello and welcome to the Columbia Tribune's Mizzou Sports Podcast. I guess I am your new host, Cameron Teague Robinson. Um, obviously, as some of you may know, um, this is our first podcast in probably a few weeks now. Um, probably since Dan- since Danny Jones left, um, and he's he's out to DC now. Um, so now I'm joined by our sports editor, Garrick Hodge, uh, here here in the for the Mizzou Sports Podcast. Garrett, do you want to say hello to the new listeners well, or the um, old listeners? Hello, new slash old listeners yeah. or whatever. I, you know, I did joke uh, earlier in the fall that you were going to be the full-time host at some point. Yeah, so. yeah, it's Danny's fault. This is uh, premonitions coming true. Yeah, so Danny, I hope you're listening. I, you need to come back and take the host spot. Um, but no, so... Um, you you wanted it if I remember you facetiously slaying earlier in the fall. Yeah, I was joking. I don't... That was joking. But it's okay. We could, we'll, we'll we'll work this out um, and we'll go from here. Um, but yeah, so this is... So before we get into a lot of the um, Mizzou news, which there's some some stuff to catch up on since we've been gone for a little while, um, I, there was some, po- some podcast business, I guess we should talk about. Um, obviously, I'll be your new host. Garrick will be joining me um, on the on the podcast as we'll be doing this weekly. Um, through, I don't know if we'll do it weekly throughout the summer just because there's not Probably really anything going, yeah, anything going on. Um, but it'll be for the foreseeable f- future, it'll be me and Garrick on the podcast. Um, what we'll try to do, um, and I know Danny and I tried to do this some, at times last summer, is get a guest or host list um, just so that it's not us sitting here talking about Mizzou um, I mean, just it's just nothing going on during this time of the year with spring football being over. Um, so, if you guys have any ideas of who you guys want to see on the, here or talk to, I guess you can't see them, but hear or talk to or hear from on the podcast, you can't talk to them either. But hear from them on the podcast, let let us know. Um, you guys can tweet, tweet me um, at cj underscore teague, and you can tweet Garrick. Garrick, I haven't me- memorized your thing yet. It's very easy. It's just. Garrick underscore Hodge. There you go. So, um, but yeah, you can you can just tweet us and let us know who you might like who you might like to see on the podcast. Um, I have some ideas for some stuff, but obviously you have to kind of get things going first. Someone's been brainstorming. Yeah. So um, I, I, t- I said last time on the podcast I'd come back with some ideas um, for what we what what we were gonna do. So I was trying to be trying to think of ways to kind of. Um, I guess do some to do some different things um, and get a set set. I guess guest list because I know last year we had Kevin Perrier on, um, and I know that was one of our one of our better podcasts. Um, at least I think so. I've seen like people like enjoyed it. Um, and then when we do interviews, a lot of times during football practice or things of that nature, people like those too. So um, that's that's going to be the plan a lot this summer. You might not hear us talking about a lot of stuff, but you'll hopefully hear us talking to some people, zoo people, uh, whether former or current players or coaches, um, just to kind of spice things up a little bit. Um, but I guess now we'll just jump to the news. Obviously, we're going to spend a lot of time today talking about the Mizzou spring game, which is Saturday. Um, but the news of the day, which came out this morning, um, is that Jeremiah Tillman is has declared for the NBA draft to test the waters. Fun fact, I actually just saw Jeremiah Tillman downtown. I was at Caldy's doing some work, and I was walking back to the office, and I saw him walking out of the utilities building columbia utilities i believe he was with javon pickett they got in a car i saw jeremiah he waved i waved back but it was funny it was just i was just walking down the street i was like is that jeremiah tillman it just kind of 
ironic with the news that came out this morning. You should have asked him about it. Again. Yeah, well, he was gone. He was just in the car driving by. So apparently he can add a uh, speedster to his list and avoiding Cameron T. Robinson yeah, and asking yeah. questions. Yeah, but um, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, so Jeremiah's going to test the NBA waters. I would be shocked if he stays in NBA in the NBA draft. That would, I don't think that's happening. Uh, he said, said pretty much as, as much after that tournament when he said that he wanted to come back, go out with a bang and do, and be a leader for this team next year. Um, it just makes too much sense for Jeremiah to go it just makes a lot of sense for him to go to the draft and just get some feedback on what he needs to work on from what i saw on twitter i think a lot of people completely overreacted to this like a a lot of uh fans chimed in with tweets like oh he's not ready he's not ready what is he doing i mean this is completely non-committal yeah like i almost don't understand why every college basketball player that has some inkling of a chance to play basketball doesn't do this yeah they should all do it like there's no harm in doing it the way the NCAA regulations are structured. I mean, they can always pull it back, which is, I think, 10 days after the NBA. Yeah, so it, the, this year it's May 29th is when, if you are if you're in a, if you want to announce that you're going to come back to college and keep your el- eligibility, it's May 29th. There's a different date where if you don't want to go to the draft, you can pull out, but you can't keep your eligibility. You can go, like, overseas but, or play somewhere else. But to keep your college eligibility, it's May 29th, 10 days after the combine. Right. I just don't understand why all – College basketball players that you know have an inkling of a shot to go to the NBA yeah I agree don't get it yeah and, get and feedback. this is the thing Jeremiah's coming back I mean he's pretty much left the door open when he was when him him and Conzo's comments in the press release um, I'm trying to look at it right now on my phone Conzo Martin said Jeremiah has a chance to take advantage of a valuable opportunity and gather information through the process to help him moving forward we fully support him using the resources available and most system any way we can Jeremiah said it's been a dream of mine since I started playing basketball to make it to the NBA. I want to get everything I can out of this process. I'm excited to learn from it and get the feedback I need. That pretty much, I mean, it just completely leaves the door open for his return. I think a lot of people, when they hear declare for NBA draft, that they just think, oh, man, he's gone. He's gone, yeah. Um, But this makes a lot of sense to Jeremiah. I think if you look at how it helped Jonte coming into last year, um, you don't know how good Jonte would have been. But, I mean, all all the talk, I mean, you saw him and how... His body had just changed a little bit. Um, Zoom madness. I think it will help Jeremiah going forward um, for sure. I think he uh, the benefit you might get from this, besides you know NBA draft combine stuff, is you get to hear stuff from NBA personnel that you might not have considered before. Yeah, that's Ev- everyone in the world knows that he has trouble staying in games because of foul trouble. Sometimes right. that's not a secret. He's been working on that for two years. But maybe someone doesn't like his zone defense. Yeah, like maybe so, like I mean I think it should be fine. But well, Mizzou doesn't not. play zone defense. Right. Like right, precisely um you know they they might have a problem with the way he guards guys that are taller than him in the post whatever yeah. something that hasn't been coached in before that an nba guy is saying i think you might struggle with this at the next level yeah right right so like i think all the more evaluations you can get the better off you can be so like i said same thing that i'm gonna say for the fifth time in this podcast i don't know why any prospective nba prospect doesn't do this because they can pull back and not commit to it yeah exactly so so yeah, Jeremiah's going to de- declare. He will go through the process. He whether he gets an invite to the combine or not has left to be seen. Those aren't just given away like candy. Also, um, the deadline for that is Sunday, and we expect a Jonte Porter announcement any day now. This yeah, week. I mean that should that should be coming out soon, and I don't think Jonte will be coming back. No, he will not. Um, so, um, I, 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 at least I don't think he will. Be. Yeah, I don't want to say no. No, he will not as if it's as if it's for sure, but it's pretty much expected that he will not return to Missouri if he declares um and all, but also to, to be 
I guess to be fair, if Jonte declared last year, Jonte declared without an agent. This year, if he declares with an agent, he can still return to Missouri um, because of the new NCAA rule. You're allowed to sign an agent during your process, but as, again, as long as you decide you're coming back to college by the 29th of May, you're fine. But that's not to say Jonte's coming back. Um, he's yet to declare. We expect that to come this week, and I think all all roads are pointing to Jonte declaring and staying in the NBA draft this year. Um, okay, with basketball kind of news out of the out of the way, um, we'll jump into the spring game takeaways. Obviously, a very boring twenty one, I believe twenty one to three win for the black team, which was the was not starters. Twenty one, yeah. Um, that and uh, Cam Scott didn't get in the end zone there. Yeah, he stepped out at like the threes. So. Yeah, I mean they probably would have scored anyway in the next two plays. Yeah, but that. I, I don't remember how long his touchdown was, but it wasn't as exciting as it was. Yeah, the- but anyway, I mean it's spring games starters versus non-starters you don't really get a lot out of it you get a chance to see some people you haven't seen before kelly bryan being one of them um and just can get it to first glance at a lot of different almost like position battles that you'll be looking at during the summer um but i guess we can kind of go into our takeaways um i don't know Garrick, if you have if you want to start with your takeaways. i actually kind of enjoyed the spring game for the first quarter and the first quarter only um, because I you got to see kelly bryant on a rollout his first pass uh hit a five yarder jonathan to, Jonathan Nance? John, no, 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 no. I think it was. was oh, man. I, com- I think it was Jalen Knox. Jalen Knox. I combined yeah. the two. I yeah. combined the two. Oh, man. Got to knock that podcast rust mm-hmm. out. But um, you saw Kelly Bryant's athleticism. Uh, kind of like Barry Odom said in the post game press conference, you kind of want to see him when he can actually, you know, take a hit and not have to uh, worry about the whole two hand touch rule yeah. that every college institutes to protect their quarterback. Um, but I actually uh, thought Kelly Bryant looked better than. I anticipated him to look. I mean, all the scouting report says that he can't really make downfield throws, and on the third play of the drive, he completed a 30-something yard pass to Jacinto. Yeah. That was a really nice uh, post route. Um, and, I mean, a caveat, you know, this is uh, Mizzou's second to third string DBs that he's going against, so it's not like there's a complete quality of a secondary out there. But, um, and again, it's a spring game. Like, I don't think anyone should – take too much stock good or bad from a glorified practice but i think kelly bryant at least got fans excited a little bit for the first quarter and then after that it kind of turned into a snooze fest and it was struggling to keep up a little bit yeah i will say i will say this the one thing about kelly that um i thought was maybe not um disappointing but i think the one thing that about it about the game that stood out was that they didn't really finish in the red zone um that's the only thing that holds me back from saying that kelly's debut was better than expected um i mean you did i mean who cares if you throw a touchdown or not right. but you finish in the red zone in your first drive and then you have two more drives in the red zone you don't convert you don't convert on third and three and third and five against backups the, um that's not a huge red flag again it's a spring game but that's the only thing that stops me from saying kelly was better than expected i thought he made the throws he made he needed to make um he was pretty uh, obviously pretty mobile in the pocket um but Barry, Barry Odom had said in the press conference that they've been good in the red zone, but not converting against backups is the only thing that ke- ke- keeps me from saying that like that was a very, very impressive performance by Kelly. No, you have a point there. Uh, in the first quarter, I think he was better than expected, like I said. 10 of 11 for 130 yards. But right. in the second quarter, it kind of... Played as far as eight passes. Yep. In the second quarter, it made you take the, uh, oh my God, Kelly Bryant's on Mizzou goggles off and realize that he still has some flaws. I think the uh, worst throw he made was in the red zone, like you were saying. He threw it in a double coverage. And I think it was he, to Brendan Scales, correct. their tight end. Yep. And if that was was an SEC game that's probably close to a pick six and to be fair to 
Kelly and Brennan Scales. Brennan Scales is not going to be in that position in an SEC game. It's most likely going to be Albert O. Um, so that's also something to mention that they, while they struggled in the red zone, it's also fair to mention that Albert O didn't play, who's an All-American caliber tight end. Jonathan Johnson, their uh, sl- sl- starting slot receiver and leading receptionist from last year, didn't play either. So maybe that has a factor. But again, um, there also were some questionable plays. Off in the red zone because they left six points on the board why did yeah they because six it, points off the board cam yeah their kickers can't kick um Tom again can can apparently make a 59 57 yard field goal yeah, but, it was in a monsoon at south carolina but missed a 27 yarder yeah yeah so that that was that was another another thing on the for takeaways the special team struggled uh really not i guess it's hard to really say struggled for special teams because they didn't do really punt punt coverage kickoff coverage they just couldn't kick field goals um sean kading Rockbridge graduate actually missed a 28-yarder but made a 46-yarder, I believe it was. Yep. Um, and then Tucker McCann missed a 27-yarder. Now, I, I will say, I don't know if this is – you won't know if this is a recurring thing until the season starts. Uh, Tucker McCann's been a lot better since his early, his early years where people – deemed him Tucker McCant um, oh, I man. believe I saw on Twitter a few times but Tucker McCant was really good last year sometimes the ball just doesn't go through the, the uprights um, I believe he'll he should still be fine next year but um, the bigger thing for me in special teams is just who's gonna punt I don't think they want Tucker doing punts kickoffs and uh, field goals hope not that just seems a lot for Tucker to do um, you saw Sean Kading take it take a few punts um, Josh Doge took a few punts um so it'd be interesting to see what they do. I don't know if they go get a walk, another a walk on, and see if they can get, kind of figure out this punting situation. But you're replacing Corey Fatoni, um, and you don't really have a backup. Corey Fatoni was one of their just game changers in the last few years. Well, they need to do something. I mean, it's kind of crazy to me that they didn't have a contingency plan for Corey Fatoni. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think, like you said, getting a walk on is probably their best bet at this point. But yeah. I mean. If the season started next week, probably McCann would be doing double. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it's a good thing that they still have the summer to go through um, and figure it out. But um, that's something to watch going into the season. Um, I thought one of my biggest takeaways was um, obviously Kelly. Um, backup quarterback situation isn't figured out at all. Lindsey Scott and Taylor Power are still fighting for that. Uh, but one of my biggest things was the running backs. Um, and a lot of talk is always made about Kelly Bryant right now and how important he is but I think really the most important player for this team next year and right now is Larry Roundtree he's really um, how, how he performs also Tyler Beatty because he's going to be behind Larry but how Larry performs he's going to be he's going to get a, so many, a lot of touches in this offense he's going to have to do a lot of uh, just so much for this team not saying he's going to be I don't think he's going to be a workhorse back per se because I think Tyler's going to get some help touches a lot of touches and I think you're going to see the ball in Kelly's hands a lot but I think Larry Roundtree the production that he can have I don't think he needs to run to run for a thousand yards again but it, his his speed his strength in the red zone um if he if he is improved from last year, I think he could be an all SEC type running back, um, and I think his how how successful he is will show a lot for how successful Missouri's offense will be this year. I think he is going to make the all SEC team this year, especially because with Kelly Bryant under center, they're going to turn into a more run first offense. I think, yeah, um, at least an offense preceded on athleticism instead of you know just a pure pocket passer like Drew Lackwitz. Yeah. Um, I think Tyler Beatty's speed just completely brings a dynamic that we haven't seen before and who knows maybe a recruit breaks onto the scene that we aren't thinking of right now like tyler Beatty did last year yeah yeah um but no larry larry roundtree i think you hit the nail on the head that he's probably the most important player to their offense right now because he broke off runs where 
you thought he was going three yards and all of a sudden it turned into 15. Right. And similar to last year, Missouri is going to have a two, that two back offense with Tyler, with Larry Roundtree and Tyler Beatty, right? At least it's Tyler Beatty right now. Um, that's what we would expect going forward. Um, but again, and I think Ty, both Larry Roundtree and Tyler Beatty mentioned Sammy, Sammy Bakari as a guy to watch um, because similar to how it's been the last few years, um, just if Demari Crocker goes down, like Demari Crocker went down last year, Tyler Brady had to step up. Um, Larry, Larry got a lot more touches, but Tyler Brady had to step up off the match. If Larry or Tyler, Tyler go down, you have Sumi Bakari coming off the bench, uh, who showed some flashes last year. Um, and Tyler and Larry just rave about things Sumi Bakari can do. And Tyler Brady and Sumi Bakari are roommates. Um, so, I mean, you, you, you would look to, th- you would like to think, I think last year Missouri was better when it was running first and then setting up, so, using its run to set up Drew's passing game. I think you'll see a lot of that this year as well. Um, and if that's the case, again, I think Larry's going to be a big, big part of what they do. Also seem like they have a lot of depth at wide receiver this year. Yeah. Yeah. They're, I think they're loaded again this year. Obviously you lose Emmanuel Hall, but I think Jalen Knox will be better. Um, Jonathan Johnson's back, who he's just a playmaker um, in, in the slot. Dom Jacinto's still there. Barrett Bannister looks like he has. Yeah, a, and uh, ba- Barrett's Barrett's a guy who's coming off the bench. I mean, he he started because Jonathan Johnson was hurt and probably had one of the more surprising days of the probably really probably the most surprising performance of the spring game um, was Barrett Bannister. Um, then you still got Cam Scott, Jonathan, Jonathan Nance, Nance. Looks like he has a lot of chemistry. With yeah, him, right? yeah. Him and Kelly look like they're they're playing pretty well together right now. Um, so you look, you, I mean, you look at just the roster on paper. I mean, you look like, and then you add Albert O, um, Daniel Parker when he comes back. I think you you're looking at an offense that can has a lot of weapons outside for Kelly Bryant to throw to. Um, so you'd expect that they that it's just it's Jonathan Nance said something to me at spring practice the other day in the sense of he said every day it's something someone different. Um, every uh, he he was just like Kelly can just literally just look at anybody and just start to whoever he wants. Interesting. Yeah, I really wonder if when Jonathan Johnson comes back if they're still going to use him primarily as a slot guy or if they're going to expand him to the outside. A yeah, bit. I'm I'm curious about that too. But I mean, if you you're two outside guys, Charlie Jalen, not Jonathan Nance. Yeah, I mean they're pretty set, set there. Um, they're not lacking in the speed department. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. I, I think you'll see. I, I think you'll see them probably use a few more formations where they try to get Dom, Jacinto, and Bear Bannister in there mm-hmm. as well. Um, even if that means maybe just at times Jonathan Johnson gets tired and they sub him out. But I mean, they have a lot of depth there at receiver. Um, they could do a lot of different things. They had a lot. They have a lot more depth now than they did this time last year. I think. Yeah, I would with agree. A healthy Emmanuel Hall. Yeah, I, and I, you never want to see someone get hurt, but I think Emmanuel Hall's injury last year opened the door for Jalen Knox to really kind of shine. Um, Dom Jacinto got a lot of playing time last year, um, so you're looking at guys who are gro- growing up a lot last year and turning into game changers for them this year. Um, I think, and I guess, well, I guess maybe my last takeaway um, was probably the. It's really hard to t- tell. The spring, spring games really aren't great for defenses because most of the time you're just no one's looking at the defense; you're looking at the offense. Now, I'll say there weren't any there weren't any glaring breakdowns in the defensive secondary, but I can get, tell you with a lot of confidence I wasn't looking in the secondary much. I was looking at what Kelly was doing um, and what Missouri's back running backs are like off the line was doing. Um, but Missouri's defensive line. Um, so I guess two two big takeaways for me. One. Nick Bolton, everyone loves Nick Bolton. Everyone loves um, him. He, see, he, he, again, he seemed, seemed to play pretty well in the spring game as well. I think he was second in tackles, if I can remember off the top. But they didn't really have to tackle much. They weren't really out there a lot. The second-team offense didn't really do a lot. Kale Garrett went on like a minute-and-a-half rant about how good Nick Bolton was yeah, after the uh, spring Yeah, everybody loves him. So that'll be interesting to see how he replaces Terrez, a weak side linebacker. Um, people seem to say 
seem to think him and Kale are going to work pretty well together. Um, defensive line was a big thing for me because last year Mizzou struggled when it needed to be a three-man, a four-man rush. Um, they did pretty well against, the back, again, the backup offensive line. But I think big, biggest takeaway for me is Jordan Elliott's going to be a stud. Everybody has raved about him all spring. Um, but it was just interesting to see him in the game. Um, and then it'd be interesting to see how Missouri shifts around and see if it's a line. Like you'll see a kill buyers at the end on first and second down, I think. And then he can move inside to tackle. Um, Trey John Jeffcoat's out there, Chris Turner, Kobe Whiteside. There's a lot of guys on a defensive line that can make plays um, around Jordan, what Jordan Elliott does at defensive tackle. I interviewed Jordan Elliott after the game, and he looked a lot leaner, but still retained all his muscle from his three set game at Arkansas in November. Like he looks a lot better yeah. already in a couple months. Um, from the end of the year and he went on about it for a little bit about how he like changed his regimen and how he like really wants to uh, take that next step and be a you know wrecking ball on the defensive line and he also uh, looked a little uh, sad when I asked him what it was like to play two-hand touch with the QB instead of uh, yeah they don't like that no he just looked like he's like well it is what it is but I don't want to talk about it because I'm mad yeah yeah they don't like that but I mean I, th- I think there's a lot of talk about him being one of the best defensive ta- one of the better defensive tackles Missouri's had which it's kind of crazy to think about they've had some Cons- good ones I mean current Cleveland Brown Sheldon Richardson being one of them um I-, I wonder why that's the first one to pop in your mind hey he's was terrific defensive tackle at Missouri that's why but um it'd be just, so that's that's again that's something something to watch throughout the summer um, and into the season is just how Missouri's defensive line can if it works together and can get pressure because they struggled to get pressure by themselves last year um and that obviously hurt Missouri that obviously hurt their secondary because they can't defend receivers forever um so I don't know Eric, if you have any other takeaways from the spring game I think we kind of hit on mostly everything yeah Pretty much, I would say more about defense, but I mean, like you said, no one watches defense yeah. in the spring games. Yeah, it's kind of tough. Um, so yeah, so we'll we'll have more on the, the Missouri football team this fall. Well, I guess summer they call it fall camp, but it's summer. It's still it's like August. Um, some media days are in February or not February, July. July. Um, middle. So I hope they're not in yeah, February because no, we weren't there. Yeah, they're in the middle of July. It's some. I can't remember the dates off the top of my head, but yeah, they're in the middle of July. Um, I guess the next big thing for Mizzou football and really all the football programs is the NFL draft and next week. Um, obviously Drew Locke will be a first round pick. He was at the he was at the Packers visiting the Packers. He's visited a lot of teams. He's visiting tomorrow. I yeah, is what's reported. Right. So I don't, a lot of guys have. I know Therese Paler did. I don't. Some other national guys have, but. Packers kind of like when I saw that I was like no way but then I thought about it and Brett Favre was 35 when they drafted Aaron Rodgers Aaron Rodgers is 35 right now yeah I mean it would make sense and the way pick, the, I don't know what pick the Packers have the Packers have two first round picks out of what what's their highest pick I uh, I don't I think, really know what their pick is anyway while while I'm looking that up as you uh, can just hear me type and as the audio pick that up um Anyway, but no, the Packers, the way that they do things, or at least they have because they have a new regime now with the GM, but they, I think they gave Aaron Rodgers three to four years before they actually threw him in there, yeah. so they may do that, but I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to be a, a happy camper if they use one of their first yeah, picks on Drew Locke. Lock, yeah. They're already pretty talent devoid right now. Yeah, so I, that, that that might be more of a thing. I was just you kind of doing your due diligence on one of the top quarterbacks in the in the NFL. Drew's visited a lot of places. Um so it'll be it'll be interesting to see where he goes in the draft. Um, you have Emmanuel Hall also climbing up the draft boards. They picked twelfth overall and thirtieth overall. Yeah, so 
if Drew falls to 12, it might be interesting. They won't get him at 30. Um, but it'd be interesting to see if he drops to 12 there. Um, they also might be drumming up interest so other t- another team panics. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that goes into that draft stuff. But so, I mean, Drew is potentially pretty much, I mean, you're looking at a first round pick out of Drew. Um, Manuel Hall, you're looking at maybe a second, second day type receiver just because he blew it away at the combine only question is kind of what what is his health like um he didn't he didn't uh work out for the titans because i believe he was sick um that day i can't remember exactly what he had but he was sick um so that's that's a that's i guess that'd be the only worry for emmanuel i mean he blows away this the numbers from the combine i think last year he showed he was more than just a deep route runner um so that'd be interesting to see if he can get drafted there in the second day and then you have a lot of other guys terry backner terry backner will surely get drafted it just matter matter of where um it's his just, stock fell a lot this year yeah he didn't really do like great he was a he didn't projected have a great late first rounder coming into the season last year and now he's a day two day three kind of guy. yeah it's just he didn't really have a great year um but hey dude it's at this point it's just make a direct make a team and figure out figure out from there figure but out from there, yep. there are a lot there there's some other guys paul adams therese hall um there are a lot a lot of guys who you might see either get drafted or pick up get picked up on the practice squad so i think adams will be a day three guy yeah Therese it will either be a very late seventh round pick or he'll be an undrafted on, yeah undrafted created so um it'll be interesting to see that's obviously the next thing for mizzou football i guess the news for mizzou football um and then recruiting as well um i guess now we'll take it just take a second to uh talk to tell you guys more about our sponsors for the mizzou podcast if you want to be a sponsor reach out yeah we would like to take this time to thank the sponsors for the Mizzou Sports Podcast, MU Healthcare, Columbia Water and Light, and Phyllis Nichols of State Farm. The University of Missouri Healthcare is proud to be the official sponsor of Mizzou Athletics. Columbia Water and Light encourages the efficient use of electricity and water because it can make a big difference for all of us. Find out more at ColumbiaPowerPartners.com. And contact State Farm agent Phyllis Nichols at 573 443 8727 for life, home, car insurance, and more. Now we'll send you back to the podcast. All right. Welcome back to the Mizzou Sports Podcast. Hope you enjoyed listening, hearing about our sponsors. Um, I guess now we'll kind of shift away from Mizzou football. Um, there's a lot of other stuff that we missed uh, while we were gone that we'll kind of just touch on really quick before we sign out of here. But um, I Sophie Cunningham was drafted, um, which a lot of people expect. She fell to the second round, which a lot of people maybe didn't expect, but drafted 13th overall, highest highest pick in Mizzou women's basketball history um, to the Phoenix Mercury. Um, well, she'll be playing on a pretty loaded team. Diana Rossi, Brittany Griner, a team that was a couple games away from beating the Storm um, and going to the WBA final, but lost in the WNBA semifinals last year. Um, so, yeah, it's a big deal for Sophie. Um, kind of the final, the final end to her Missouri career. Um, but, yeah, she's off, she's off to Phoenix. Now, it's not guaranteed she'll make the team. She does have to go to training camp and make, a, and make the final cuts for the roster. But... If anybody knows Sophie, I think I bet Sophie makes a team. You think she's a little competitive? Yeah, just a little bit, just a little bit. I think she won the WNBA draft lottery in terms of places she can live. I mean, yeah, it's nice yeah. to live in Phoenix. Yeah, it's kind of hot. I would love, Seattle's kind of Seattle's pretty cool. Plus, they just won a championship, so it'll be cool to live in Seattle. But um, yeah, she's got she's in a good spot. Uh, it would will be weird. I mean, Sophie just has never been away from home. She's never played basketball from home. She went to she was always here in Columbia. Went to Rockbridge, stayed home, went to Mizzou. Um, so that will be an adjustment uh, for her. But 
I don't, regardless, I think I think that's a pretty good spot for Sophie, um, and it's nice for the Mizzou program to to for your name to be lit up on the W during WNBA draft. Highest uh, women's basketball player Mizzou's ever had drafted. Yeah, so and the eighth and the eighth overall first since Brie Kulis in twenty fourteen. Um, so so yeah, cool cool moment for Sophie, cool moment for Robin Pinch and Mizzou program. Um, now the now. Mizzou has some the fish the Sophie Cunningham era is over. You got to move on and yeah, they got some get ready rebuilding to, go. to do and some pretty uh, talented recruits coming in to help do that. Yeah, so that is so that'd be interesting. Um, Mizzou baseball uh, is now ranked in the top twenty five after a series win against LSU. Um, they're number twenty one overall um, according to D one Baseball dot com. Yeah, yeah, they've they've won a, they've been on a streak here, very very hot the last the last what two maybe three weeks now. Fourteen three and one. Yeah, for what the yes, yeah, so that's the last eighteen games. Which um, I I don't know how you I can think tie that was, in baseball. I know how you can yeah. because of travel regulations, right. but that just seems really weird to that, look at it and see a tie. They got on that streak after they got swept by Arkansas, if I'm correct. Yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Steve Beezer has that pro- has that program rolling pretty right now. Um, only thing is, no one no one shows up to games. So that is uh, probably very disappointing for them. I'm sure. Um, it's. I mean, to fans' credit, I mean that ballpark is in not a fun location for two thirds of the year. It's so windy. Uh, the games, like I was at Friday's game, and the first inning took fifty-one it's a, it's minutes. Legit, yeah, that's true. It's also legitimately, like you said, Wendy. It's like one of the coldest places in Columbia. It's terrible. It's a, just a, a terrible spot. But also, yeah, I mean, the games take forever. Um, I mean, I guess if you're a diehard baseball fan, that doesn't matter to you. But yeah. a fifty-one-minute first inning, you know, and a showing like that, it's, it's just hard. That's hard for casual Missouri fans. To just and it's go. hard to bring a family to. Yeah, like if you want to. Especially staying the whole time. Yeah, like football. It's, it's a little more fast paced and easier to get engaged with like a ten year old child. Right. Whereas there's a lot of downtime in baseball. And um, but no, I have uh, actual numbers here, and it's the SEC. Who tweeted that out? Uh, Blake Scott. Okay. Um, I'm not entirely sure what outlet Blake Scott is with. Uh, looks like ESPN 105.9 The Zone. So just wanted to give a little uh, shout out to his outlet. Okay. But, um, so SEC attendance as a whole is doing outstanding. A lot of the top tier teams are even outdrawing Major League Baseball teams for the most part. Yeah, I mean, college, college um, baseball in SEC is huge. Mississippi State, which is at the top of the SEC right now, is per week. So... Uh, the weekend series and maybe a midweeker is drawing 31,685 fans. Um, the league leader in attendance is LSU, the team that Missouri just took two out of three from, and they are averaging 31,978 fans per week. Um, now, Missouri per week is averaging 3,488 fans. It doesn't surprise me. And the next lowest is Tennessee, which is 7,347. Yeah. People, it's like it's tough. People do not care about Missouri baseball here, which is weird, um, especially when the team play. I get, I could understand it when the team was struggling. Now they're playing. I mean, they're a top twenty-five team. They're playing pretty well. If the season ended today, they would, without a doubt, be in the NCAA regional to me. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. So for the first time since two thousand twelve. Yeah. So they, they've been struggling to make postseason appearances for a while, and they still will because the despite the postseason ban, the appeal won't be ruled on by the time they'll be eligible. So right. they'll play under the appeal and make the postseason should they uh make make it that far but right um yeah i mean i don't really know what you do to fix the problem I besides just, move your location like i think, you could use i mean you could use a better stadium but again if people aren't coming it's hard to pay hard to pay money for a better stadium M- mizzou has pretty much everything you would want a 
top baseball talent to have. They have a premier talent, the, probably the best position player Mizzou's ever had, um, who's going to be a top 15 to 20 MLB draft pick and Cameron Meisner in the outfielder. They, their pitching has far exceeded anybody's expectations. Uh, Sycama was, it has been awesome. Everybody knew that. Jacob Candleberry, uh, Juco transfer coming in, people didn't know anything about him, and now he throws a changeup that breaks like 20 inches off the plate and makes hitters look awful. I mean, he wasn't very good on Friday, but besides that, he's been outstanding. Um, their pitching, I think, collectively is – it was at the top of the SEC. I'm not sure if it's uh, still there after LSU put 12 runs on him on Friday, but it was – they're definitely in the top three in the ERA in the SEC yeah. for arms. They're – third right now in the sec east in the preseason poll they were seventh so right so they, it's they're playing well yes it's again again it's just it's, t- it's to there that those attendance numbers are tough i'm just gonna have to figure something out there but th- like you said they're 14 three and one in their last couple of games like what more can you do? attendance just doesn't turn doesn't just right. doesn't flip though if people don't I mean, you're not just going to flip your attendance in a matter of three weeks just True. because the team's playing well. But it's got to be. I think. I think for, if your attendance is going to shift, if you're not a football or basketball program, you got to do it more consistently. You got to build. It's similar to softball because softball has such a diehard fan base. They they draw better than Mizzou baseball. Yep. They have such a diehard fan base because of the continued success they had in the past. That's similar to baseball fans aren't just people aren't just going to show up to baseball games because they're playing well right now i think it has to be more of a continued thing it's a little bit different than basketball and football i think I th- you're probably right but i mean i just don't it's just hard because casual fans it's you said you you mentioned it already it's just casual fans casual, casual mizzou fans there's just so much downtime in baseball recording for and they could be there for five hours where baseball and football you things are always going on there's time like you know you're not going to be a basketball game longer than two hours two and a half hours max um so it's it's just a little different i do think they should be getting they should be drawing more of a crowd now that now that your now that your baseball team is doing a little bit well you would expect the marketing team to kind of push it a little bit more and try to get more people out there to games plus i mean they still have an sec schedule so the talent disparity is not going to go away yeah exactly they still have south carolina and they have florida in home games so yeah that and i they have a midweeker uh this week on the road at missouri state but then the week after they're hosting missouri state so maybe i don't know an in-state game might increase it by a little bit yeah attendance but who knows yeah Um, so one last thing on baseball um Touching on Cameron Meisner hit the biggest home run I think I've ever seen a college baseball player hit on yeah. Sunday. Um, just absolutely locked in on a fastball right down the middle of the plate and tattooed it 457 feet, hit the top of the Divine Center, the football facility workout. Uh, that was the second uh, baseball he's hit on the Divine Center this year. Another one was uh, 438 feet against Kentucky. So he is absolutely Yeah, I mean, that's what, kind of what you'd now. expect from a top 15 draft pick. But, I mean, I think a lot of people expect him to be able to hit the, hit the crap out of the ball this year. So Yes, he um, he went on a slump quite a bit. Uh, his His problem has been that opposing pitchers throw him junk because he's uh besides him and peter zimmerman he's been one of the only consistent put the ball in play guys missouri's had other guys have fluctuated a little bit with their stats but um he leads the uh nation in walks though so he's got that going for him but his batting average is lower than 300 which isn't exactly what you'd expect out of a top 15 pick but his on-base percentage is right on par with where you thought it would be yeah so so yeah baseball's playing well came to cameron miser's playing well um so it'll be interesting to see how the attendance shifts the rest of the year um lastly we'll touch on mizzou softball it's been playing well all year um lost dropped a series to old miss this weekend 
um, but won, won the last game of the series in the rain. Um, Lewis Anderson has done a really good job with that program, turning that around. They've had some really big wins this year. Um, they'll host Texas A&M this weekend. SEC bottom feeder, so yeah. an opportunity to rack up two to three wins there. Yeah, so um, you, you, I mean, similar to Mizzou baseball, Mizzou softball is projected to be at the bottom of the SEC. Um, they're doing really, really well. Um, so it'd be it's interesting. A lot of times last year, this around this time, it was um, all there was really all the only talk was basketball, Mizzou basketball, because the spring teams weren't doing very well. Mizzou softball was bad, Mizzou baseball was bad. Um, but now, I mean, you got two teams that are playing pretty well. I think basketball and football will still dominate the headlines because yep. that's what they are. But um, you have two. Two spring, two spring athletic teams that are doing pretty well and will likely be in their SEC tournaments. And if they continue to at the pace they're going, will likely be in their NCAA tournaments. I, I kind of just had a thought just now. Do you? And maybe it has absolutely no correlation. But do you think that the postseason bans on both? baseball and softball really kind of kick these guys no, out I don't I, mean, I don't think they care you don't think so no I mean at some point I mean it's, it's to some sense I think they're like yeah we really want to be in the postseason but I don't think the urge to make the postseason because the NCAA postseason ban makes a terrible team a a good team or a top 25 team or a top 30 team like the Missouri softball is um I think you just have talent could you're coaching either you're coaching above that talent um or that's the talent you have um right i mean baseball is having the success it does is because its arms are pitching far above what people thought right so i, I don't think i mean that those pitchers aren't going out on the mound and be like man then simply stuck it to us we're gonna go win these we're gonna win this game i just think that's just the talent you have and you, both beezer and anderson are coaching very very well this year i think that they'd be where they're at regardless but all right but um, yeah, so I guess we will um, say goodbye for this week. I don't know. Um, we'll have to think of a new outro for the podcast because Danny's gone yeah, and we, we can't, can't see the Danny's outro music the outro anymore. Um, but yeah, so um, read all of our work in the Tribune, uh, Columbia and online at ColumbiaTribune.com. Subscribe where subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Um, was in, iTunes hopefully? Yeah, iTunes. We we all are, we also are, are on Spotify, I believe SoundCloud as well. Um, you can rate. I don't know if you can rate on Spotify because I don't listen to podcasts on Spotify, but you can rate us on on Apple. Um, and don't forget to l- let us know who you'd like to hear from in terms of interviews of either current or former Mizzou players or coaches. Um, and I guess, Garrett, do you have anything you want to add? No, just uh, going to be an exciting couple of weeks with the NFL draft and the uh, baseball and softball teams uh, doing pretty well. Yeah, yeah. So I appreciate you guys listening and tune in next week. Sports Podcast at iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher.